stories and songs. I'm Alabama Annie, and I have a story for you today about a murder. A murder that happened very near the old home place when I was a child. I never heard anyone talking about it. I only discovered the story a few years back when I was researching some history on the civil rights movement. But here's the gist of it. April 23, 1963 was a warm spring day in North Alabama, and along U.S. Highway 11, farmers were turning their fields for planting, kids were playing softball, and the civil rights movement was in full swing. There was a murder along the highway, the murder of an ex-Marine who was on a self-appointed journey across country on a mission to do his part for equality. The last person to see him alive was a DJ from a local radio station who came out to interview him as he walked along. Not an hour later, the ex-Marine was dead from a gunshot wound on the side of the road, and a hunt began for the person or persons who committed the crime. Only a couple years back, they set a historical marker near the site where William Lewis Moore was killed. Here's the story. A Ghost for Freedom Along historic U.S. Highway 11, before the day of the interstates, there were roadside stops and pull-offs where a weary traveler could park their car or truck and catch a little shut-eye or eat a lunch on a picnic table. These roadside stops have mostly disappeared, done away with in exchange for state rest stops and 7-Elevens these days. But in the 1950s and 60s, they still existed and were used by many a traveler. There was one such spot between Atala and Collinsville, Alabama, where William Moore stopped to rest a while on his long walk from Baltimore, Maryland to his destination in the capital of Mississippi. William Moore was a man on a mission. He had proudly served his country as a decorated Marine and worked with the U.S. Postal Service until he felt the call of a lifetime. The Civil Rights Movement was in full swing and proponents of equality were marching on the Capitol and protesting segregation and inequality across this land. William Moore joined the Baltimore chapter of CORE, the Congress of Racial Equality, and began his own journey for freedom. While Dr. Martin Luther King and the Reverend Abernathy were locked behind the bars of the Birmingham jail with other civil rights workers, Moore set out on foot. He attempted to deliver a letter to the President of the United States by hand in Washington, D.C., but was turned away and denied the privilege. Then he set out on a long walk, leaving the Capitol, heading south along U.S. 11, pushing a postal cart containing his supplies with a sign hung on the front that read, End Segregation in America, Equal Rights for All Men. When William left Chattanooga, Tennessee, he knew he was entering dangerous territory. The Klan was very active in Georgia and North Alabama. Their many chapters were alive and well, burning crosses and protesting on county courthouse steps and the Alabama State Capitol of Montgomery, spreading their messages of hate for any other than the white man. Moore had drawn attention to himself along the way on several occasions. A man in a car had thrown a full beer can at him, 
and a woman in another vehicle had spat out the window as she drove past. A group of boys working in a field had pelted him with rocks, but a local policeman had run the boys away and escorted Moore out of town. On the next leg of his journey, he continued on, however, without incident. He passed through Fort Payne and Collinsville, Alabama. He was approached by a minister of a church and asked to speak about his journey and was invited to stay the night with the family and continued on his way the following morning. On this stretch of highway, there was little traffic except for farm trucks and tractors and a postman who waved to Moore. Moore was in high spirits after the previous day's experience. The day was sunny and warm, and he stopped to enjoy a cool drink of water and a snack in the shade of an oak tree at the side of the road. While he was resting there, a dark blue car drove past. The car had four men in it, two in the front seat and two in the back. The car slowed as it passed him, and he waved to them, but they did not return the greeting. After he had rested, he put away his things into the cart again and continued on, rounding a flat curve where he could see a small community up ahead. Then he noticed another car approaching him, this time from the south. The car had a single occupant and some sort of yellow light on top with a sign on the doors that read WGAD Radio, Gadsden, Alabama. He watched as the car slowed. It pulled up alongside him and came to a halt. Moore stopped walking and set his cart to the side as the man inside the car waved to him and got out. The man shook William's hand and introduced himself as Charlie Hicks of WGAD Radio. He told William that he had received an anonymous call that he could find him here and he would like to get an interview. Although Moore thought the anonymous call a little odd, he agreed to speak with Hicks just the same. Moore wanted his message to be heard. He wanted to make a difference in this world, and Hicks was willing to listen. The two leaned on the front of the station wagon, sipping Coca-Colas as Hicks prepared to interview Moore, hooking up the microphone to a portable recorder and pulling out some notes. Moore began, I left Washington, D.C. several days ago after attempting to deliver a letter by hand to President Kennedy, but I was turned away. I feel he should have listened to what I had to say and helped us to effect change in this land. I served in the Marine Corps alongside all colors and creeds, and if those men can lay down their lives for this country, they should be able to eat in any restaurant or walk into any theater just as I can. They should be able to vote and have their voices heard. And I intend to walk right up to the door of the governor's mansion in Mississippi and ring the doorbell. I'll put this letter into his hand, William announced as Hicks listened. While the two men were talking, the dark blue car with the four men inside passed by again, and Hicks met the hateful eye of one of the front seat passengers. He felt a chill run down his spine as the car slowly passed, but he turned away and tried to shake it off. The two men watched the car drive away and disappear into the distance. Hicks put away his gear and tried to encourage Moore to ride with him to the nearby town of Atala. He told Moore that Atala would be only a few miles south and people there would be more congenial. After the blue car passed them heading the other direction, this time they were not driving slowly. 
The car sped past Moore and Hicks and turned into a driveway a few hundred yards past. Hicks watched the car with some suspicion and again suggested that he give Moore a ride. Hicks told Moore he just didn't like the feel of things, but Moore would not be swayed and he said, an ex-Marine should be able to take care of himself. Hicks shook Moore's hand one last time and got into his car. Before he drove away, he said, One against four isn't a fair match even for an ex-Marine, son. Charlie Hicks cast a last glance in the rearview mirror at Moore. He didn't have a good feeling about any of this, but he drove on thinking he might run into a highway patrolman down the way and he'd tell him to check in on William. But when the highway patrolman would arrive, he would only find a crime scene. Charlie Hicks was the last person, with the exception of his killers, to see William Moore alive. Less than an hour after Charlie drove away, just a mile past the spot where Hicks had left him, Moore's body was discovered by a passing motorist at a roadside pull-off with two bullet wounds to the head. The forensics investigation revealed that Moore had been shot at close range with a 22. The gun that had been used to kill him was registered to a known Klansman, yet no charges were ever filed and to this day the case remains open. Sometimes horrible crimes of this nature leave an indelible mark on a location and this roadside stop was just such a place. A local volunteer firefighter related a story about the pull-off where Moore's body was found. In the not-too-distant past, a motorist driving from Collinsville, Alabama to Atala late at night along the old highway was terrified to see a bloodied man standing beside an overturned cart on the side of the road just past Keener. The man dialed 911 on his cell phone to report what he had seen and waited just past the site on the side of the road in his car. After a few moments, he saw the lights of an emergency vehicle approaching and flashed his headlights at the medic truck. The driver of the truck leaned out the window and talked to the caller. He's right back there, the man told the medic, and the two medics proceeded back to the spot where the driver had seen the man. A state trooper arrived just behind the medic truck and together the men searched for the injured man and the overturned cart. They however did not find him or any trace of the cart, although they searched with flashlights for over an hour along the side of the road and in a nearby field. Then the state trooper said he believed the driver had seen the man, but he said they would never find him. Why not? asked the medic, confused. Because he's a ghost, the state trooper said. He's the ghost of William Moore, the civil rights worker who was murdered here on this very spot back in the 1960s. At the office of 9-11 Dispatch, in the files kept of calls since the system began, there are 136 reported calls of a bloody man and an overturned cart at this location on US-11, and in each case, Nothing has ever been found. Each year, a group of students reenact William Moore's walk along US 11 from Chattanooga to the location where he was murdered. They reenact his journey out of respect for Moore's firm belief in equality and his courage in the face of such adversity. William Moore is truly a ghost 
for freedom. Was anyone arrested for this crime? We'll get to that in another episode. And I'll tell you the rest of the story, but for now, I leave you with a song. It's called Wash Me Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. venues, and private events sent to Cruz, California. <laughs>